Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. Ever felt beat up, worn out, stressed? Welcome to life. If you've ever been racked by storms, by brokenness in life, then today's passage is going to be hope for you. Well, let me set the stage. The last time we were in Luke 21, Jesus was looking ahead to the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. And in 70 AD, 40 years after Jesus said it would happen, it happened. You see, prophecy is like putting on bifocals. There is an immediacy, things that are close up that are being foretold. And at the same time, there's a distant view of things yet to come much further down the road. Well, the close-up view, as Jesus told it in Luke 21, the close-up view was the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple within 40 years. The distant view, that down-the-road view, was that Jesus was also speaking of his return something to hold on to in the midst of storms and brokenness. Well, even earlier in Luke 21, Jesus was talking about all the brokenness of the world we live in. And he wasn't going to sugarcoat it. Jesus acknowledged the reality of suffering that is the human experience. And he says to his followers, this was earlier in Luke 21, beginning at verse 10, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. This is reality, Jesus says. Wars, people against people, humanitarian crises, diseases, and famine. This is the stuff of life in a broken, fallen world. I know what you're thinking. Hey, I thought you said this was the message of hope. Well, hope was in verse 28, the one verse that we didn't emphasize last time, and I'll share it with you now. Jesus said, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. When you're experiencing the brokenness of this world, raise your head because your redemption is drawing near. Do you hear what Jesus is saying here? He's saying the worse and harder things get, the more joyful Christians can become. That's a little hard to wrap our minds around. Let me say that again. The worse and harder things get, the more joyful Christians can become. Well, Jesus continued and into our passage today, beginning at verse 29, he told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Jesus says when things get bad. He said when you look at the trees, how do you know summer's coming? Well, spring that gets us prepared for summer is about trees that are budding and leaves that are showing. In the south, we know that summer is coming because you can't go outdoors without needing another shower. 
He says, look at the world around. Bad things are ever present. The response of Jesus' followers is to lift up your head and have hope. You see, the only reason we can have hope is because of the good news something we call the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you follow Christ and you know what he has accomplished, you know that Isaiah spoke of him as the man of sorrows. That's incredibly important. That Jesus isn't just some distant deity looking down on humanity, but he took on flesh and dwelt among us. He became a man to experience the fullness of human existence. He experienced pain and anguish. He experienced the loss of loved ones. He experienced the difficulty of broken relationships. He experienced everything that we do, even death itself, and showed us he has power over it by being raised from death to life. So the hope we have is that the greatest anguish and enemy that we could face, death, has been conquered. So the good news is all of that and more. Jesus is also our mediator between us and God. He's our hope and he'll make right what's gone wrong. So yes, our redemption gets closer. Every suffering we face Every worry we deal with, every anxiety we carry, every storm in our life, we can turn and get closer to him and lean into Jesus more fully. Because we know that the brokenness and wickedness of this world only shows a foreshadowing of our redemption that is to come in him. Jesus continued, verse 31, even so when you see these things happening, you know The kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And then there are two commands that follow. Number one is be careful, and that's how he expresses it. He said, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. There are two aspects to this first command. First, Jesus says, be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down. For every one of us, there's a struggle, a weightiness, to our hearts that makes us unable to recognize who God is and what he's up to in our lives. And so when we experience brokenness and the storms of life, we are tempted to escape by indulging. The word that Jesus used, the language there in the Greek for carousing, we just saw that that word take place, literally comes into our language more modern as hangover. For many of us, we don't know what that's like. For others, you wonder why we don't have church at night. It's about overindulging. It's not a good thing when you use that thing as an escape. It's when we say, I'm feeling so worn out, so 
frustrated, so stressed that the only way to take the pressure off is to numb all of my feelings. We try to find an escape. And it happens in uh, other areas as well, not just controlled substances where we try to find an escape to numb ourselves or the pain of life. It could be entertainment and sports if they're all-consuming. We don't know how to re-engage with life, so we turn to pornography or we try to find hope and satisfaction in relationships. In other words, we look to people for fulfillment. Another one may be work. And that one's an easy one to kind of justify because almost everyone can see if you're having problems with addictions or bad relationships, you know, failed marriages. But escape into work and the hangover that accompanies that, that accompanies a workaholic is that they take themselves too seriously. So if someone were to ask them, well, hey, what do you do for fun? Just get this blank stare. And here's the really sad part. You and I, it seems, would rather put ourselves at risk instead of putting our hope in what really satisfies. It's no surprise to say that today in our country especially, there is an opioid crisis. And there is a slang term for those who seek that next high. It's called chasing the dragon. They have a first-time high from their drug use, and they chase after that feeling for the rest of their lives. They're never quite able to replicate it, but they're going to keep trying. All this leads to the other aspect of Jesus' command, and that is anxiety that overwhelms us. That is, the cares of this life which weigh heavily on our heart. Back in Luke 12, Jesus spoke on this. Let me remind you. Therefore I tell you, he said, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They, do, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are then birds, and then skipping ahead just a couple of verses to verse 27, consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown tomorrow into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? There's so much that weighs on our hearts. And Jesus is saying, let go of those anxieties. They're not accomplishing anything for you. Now, I want to be careful here, just so you understand. Jesus is using encouragement, but not as a hammer to hit you over the head with. If you're here today struggling with anxiety and worry, I don't want you to hear, hey, Jesus said don't. No one who's anxious hears that and says, oh, thank you, it's all gone now. No, just the opposite happens. It would lead to a downward spiral of self-condemnation. Now I'm anxious because Jesus told me not to be anxious. 
Hear the encouragement here. Nowhere in the Bible does it say don't enjoy life. Nowhere in the Bible does it say don't work hard. In fact, the Bible is very much against laziness. You see what Jesus is doing is like a master surgeon. He's cutting beneath our symptoms. Anxiety is a symptom and he's exposing the condition of our hearts. Why do we get anxious about money? Why do we get anxious about clothing? Why do we get anxious about things that are beyond our control? Because at the core, we really don't trust God to provide for us. You see, it really gets at the core of what you believe about God. Do you believe that God is sovereign? That He has the power to intervene in your life? Do you believe that He is good? That He is a loving and good Father? Do you believe that? What I want you to hear today is that God is a good Father. He loves you. He's provided all you need and more in Jesus Christ. And he's given you an opportunity to be called a son or daughter. Christianity, our faith in Jesus Christ, doesn't mean a guarantee that life will be easy. But it does mean that the storms that you face, whatever storms you encounter, whatever suffering that comes upon you, you can lean into the hope and promise that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead comes to you. Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4, in, in the midst of a church racked with difficulty from the outside world, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What Paul says is that when difficulty arises, you need to re-steer your gaze and celebrate God's goodness and grace. If you're anxious about anything, Turn to God in prayer. Bring it to the one who can change your circumstances or can change you in the midst of those circumstances and provide you with hope and strength and promise to give you peace. So number one, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down, driven to escape and despair. Jesus' second command be watchful. He says that in verse 36. Be always on the watch. How are we to be watchful? Pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Be watchful. How? Through prayer. Prayer tends to be one of the biggest struggles for most of us. When we think about prayer and prayer life, not many of us will say, wow, prayer really helps me stay awake at night. No, it's more like prayer helps me formulate a to-do list right before I fall asleep. But think about this. What 
good and gracious father gets angry and upset at their child for wanting to curl up in their lap and fall asleep. Don't beat yourself up for falling asleep while praying if the thought of him was the last thing on your mind as you went off to sleep. That's awesome. However, I will say, try to pray at other times too so that you can be alert to what God is saying to you. Prayer then is about refocusing. And you can use it to fight against overindulgences and anxiety. Let me give you three things about prayer and how to pray. Number one, pray God's word right back to him. Maybe the most important verse that I haven't emphasized yet is verse 33. So what's key when you're in the middle of a storm, in the middle of brokenness in this life? It's to note that Jesus says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Here's the big idea. Jesus' words are more certain than the existence of the universe. Where are you right now? How do you know you're here? Silly questions, right? Well, as certain you are that at this very moment you're in Benton Heights Presbyterian Church sitting on a pew listening to a great sermon, as certain as you are of that, Jesus' words are even more certain. Mind-blowing, isn't it? If we believe God's word is alive and active, then in prayer, why are we not starting a relationship with a good and loving father by repeating back to him what he has spoken to us? Pray God's word back to him. Second, pray with others. So often we think a relationship with God is just me and him. As if our faith was all a private matter. Do you remember the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? What's the first word? Thank you. <laughs> our. Our Father. Even in that same passage in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus teaches us that prayer, he says, when you pray... The you in that sentence is plural. When you pray, it's about coming together and praying together. Obviously, Jesus' parents were from the north of Israel. Had he been from the south, he would have said, y'all. In other words, pray with people in your life. I've shared this before. When you tell people you're going to pray for them, stop and do it. Too often I think it just becomes the Christian way of saying, take care, I'll pray for you. And number three, pray with perseverance. Again, verse 36. Pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Pray that we will make it to the end that God would carry us through so that we could stand before Jesus. So even when you see brokenness in this world, turn and plead with the one who can do something. 
who can bring justice and healing and hope. I don't know what you're facing as you've come here today. I don't know what storms are swirling around you. I don't know what anxieties are weighing down your heart. I don't know what you're trying to escape from. But let me say this. We're all fellow strugglers. Every one of us has hearts that are weighed down. Every one of us has areas we indulge in. And we can certainly see the brokenness of the world around us. So hear this today. We've been given a lifeline, something to cling to. So as life batters the boat that we're sitting in, hold on to the hope that God knows where we are and he will see us through. As the praise team comes back, let me say this again, this verse with certainty. This is again verse 33. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. He has shown us that he has the power over death itself because he was raised from death to life. And he promises, he promises to return and to renew and restore all things. The reason we can lift our heads and know that our redemption is near is because Jesus has secured all of this for us himself. That means there is hope to cling to in the uncertainty that we all face. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.